Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is, whatever you might be. It is the 15th of September. Good Lord, time is flying. The leaves are starting to fall. 2021 is passing by rather quickly. Honestly, thank God, because I'm freaking sick of 2020 and 2021. So the faster it's over with, the better if you ask me. Uh, did manage to go to an event last week, which was really cool. Saw like 70 humans in the same room. Uh, no one burst into flame. We all got to, you know, talk and sit down and discuss things. Uh, I believe everyone was vaccinated. I don't know because nobody was asking for vaccine cards or whatever, but my guess is they were. I think people were talking about it. Um, everyone that wanted to wear, you know, their protective device did. And those of us that were not looking to wear one full time followed the guidance and wore one where we were uh, specified to wear one and life was good. Um, it was actually nice to get back into a space where people were talking and and you could interact with humans. And look, I'm not a person that typically wants to interact with lots of humans, but I've been stuck in my house for like two years. So, you know, it's good to see that things are starting to get back to somewhat ish more normal. Um, hopefully we continue to crawl up out of this hole that we're in anyway, crazy big week last week for like zero trust stuff. Uh, there was actually so much of it. I got to do a special episode, which, Hey, maybe myself and mom will listen to about all the things going on. Um, I think that it was pretty awesome that there was all the publications that came out all at once. Um, and it continues to evolve and grow. Uh, I was on a call with a bunch of government folks this week where they're talking about the stuff coming in October, um, down selects and da, 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 like it gets really, really big, really, really fast. This is all very good stuff. So that being said, I'm going to dive right into a whole lot of news and I'm going to move quick because I always try and do these things in under 30 minutes because people got other things to do than listen to me. Now, I, I would like to start out with a little bit of research that I published because I think that this is something that should be put out to the market uh, freeware. Um, I made it a personal point to, to get this out there where it wasn't guided and guarded content. And I've sent this to anyone that was willing to listen. And if you're listening to this and you want the study, ping me directly on LinkedIn or Twitter. I will get you a copy of the data. No problem. No dollars. No nothing. This is stuff that everybody needs. This was on Security Boulevard. It was published Tuesday, September 14th uh, by Michael Vizard, who I talked with uh, at, at length. Ericom survey shows shift to zero trust IT architectures. A survey of nearly 1,300 security and risk professionals published by Ericom, a provider of zero trusty stuff, um, basically talked about what zero trust is and where it's going. Over a third of the respondents plan to make good on their plans to move to zero trust within the next three months, while 17% are targeting three to six. And then about 25% it would say it would take them about a year. Now, this, the twist on that is it's not that they're going to do this BZT in three months. So don't anybody go off and go, well, this is supposed to take us years or whatever else. Yes, it's going to take you a while. This just means that they're planning on moving. That's the key term, moving to ZT. That's good because it means people are deciding and they're strategizing and they're focusing. However, don't get it twisted. Don't think that this means that someone is saying they're going to be ZT in three months. I would like to see that if they're, if they're a small business and they have, I don't know, five employees. Okay, sure. If they're an enterprise and they have 10,000, probably not. Like, do the math. Uh, the two primary areas of focus, first, right, this is the key term, is if you're an entity and you're an organization that's trying to get to zero trust, and this was part of why I conducted the study, I asked, what's the first thing that you do? Not what is the thing, what is all ZT about, but what is the first thing that you solve for? 43% said identity and access management, right? 
Why? Because what does everything require in in IT? You got to have an account. You got to have a password. You got to have a username. Got to have access. You got to have privileges. Da da da. Like that's why you focus on identity and access management first. That doesn't mean that you stop at IAM. However, I think that it means you will always be dealing with IAM. So know that. Let it be written. Let it be gospel. It is chiseled into a tablet somewhere in the halls of ZT world. Thou shalt start with IAM. Now, lastly, on the study, which I thought was really great. Overall, 83% said they consider zero trust security to be an essential, a.k.a. necessary strategy. 68% strongly agree with that sentiment. Uh, 85% said they believe zero trust security will stop attacks or limit attacker success, with more than half of the folks saying that they strongly agree with that. This is really good because this means that this, and I, when I wrote this study, I specifically put in the words about necessary and essential and whatever else because I wanted to see if people were willing to respond to the comment of, this is not just a strategy. It's not just a nice to have. This is not just a thing. This is a necessary or essential strategy. When I get eight out of 10 people who are cybersecurity related folks that understand the space that typically would argue with a pigeon about the price of rice in China that say that they agree that this is a thing, that is a very, very good uh, data point to take. Uh, I think that that was super useful. I think that there's a lot of value in this study. Um, again, like I said, if you want it and you're looking for this data, Find me, ping me directly, and I will be glad to give it to you free of charge, free of BS, free of vendor shenanigans, whatever else. This is the data that the market needs. Following on to that, this was a different article. I'm getting a little bit more into some of the social media stuff because uh, I'm a news freak. I'm a news junkie. I'm a literature junkie. But, uh, you know, I continually see everybody being played on the news, on social media, on all the stuff going on everywhere else. Um, honestly, somebody called me and asked me like, well, what do you do about this influence operation? What are turn off the damn TV? Like if you're watching TV nonstop and you're taking all your news and little snippets from, uh, Chiron's on the bottom of the TV and from something on Twitter and something else on LinkedIn or whatever else, you're not thinking for yourself. So the honest answer to that is take a minute, think for yourself and get more than one source and then make a decision. It, otherwise you are being played. Like just know that. By the way, I'm back to drinking decent coffee. Uh, it's not it's it's not the awesome stuff from Death Wish, which, hey, Death Wish, if you're out there and you want to send me some free stuff, um, send it because I'm glad to you know say that I use Death Wish coffee because it's awesome. Anyway, North Korea's Kumsong 121 recently employed social media to launch a cyber attack. This was published in the DailyNK.com by Moon Dong Hui, which I'm sure that I didn't do that justice, but I tried, like I even went on Google and looked up how to say that. <clears throat> North Korean hacker group Kumsong 121 recently launched a cyber attack using social media. Interesting. Computer and mobile phone users should be wary as North Korean hacking attacks are growing more sophisticated. Interesting as well, because as I'm watching the news, like I said a second ago, I'm a sucker for news. North Korea is literally testing missiles today. So these things typically go together. You'll see North Korea, where they do some stuff kinetically, they try and sort of stand up and fill their chest full of air and go, look at us, we'll blow you up. We're a bunch of badasses too. And then they do some cyber stuff. Uh, honestly, their cyber stuff is more dangerous. Well, not honestly, but in reality, probably their cyber stuff is more concerning right now for the majority of the planet than their missile things. I, I mean, a lot of their missiles that they've launched have kind of taken off and wound up becoming uh, 
torpedoes because they wind up in the you know sea not too far outside of North Korea. Um, we'll see where that goes, but it, it is something to at least be aware of. In a press release Tuesday, uh, this publication said it had detected a new APT threat by Kumsong-121. It said this attack employed an elaborate method rather than the email. The attackers used social media to befriend the target and send an infected file. Now, Here's the twist on this, right? It says that they use social media. So what are they doing? They're getting hold of somebody via Twitter, via Facebook, via LinkedIn, via YouTube, via one of those goddamn things, and they're getting you to chat with them, right? And if you've ever had Facebook Messenger, which probably all of us have, I can't even count the number of times where some random message has popped up on there and someone says, hey, buddy, how's it going? And I I just immediately, nope, uh -uh, I don't know you. If If you don't text me and I don't know who you are, I, I'm not answering your thing on any social media. Like that's, that's how it should be. Um, but people do this, like people see this and there's folks that just want to interact and they get pwned. Um, and it says flat out what they're doing is they're going after the individual social media account. Then they go after additional targets because of their friends, right? So they get you, then they go after your friends, and then they start sharing more stuff to get after them. And I actually would say that this has probably happened uh, or almost happened to me recently where somebody that I know on Facebook said on his Facebook profile, hey, I think I've been hacked. I'm not sure what to do to fix this. Da, 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 da. I sent him a guide on kind of you know how to fix his stuff and set up 2FA and whatever. And then maybe a week later, which I doubt he fixed anything, I got a Facebook messenger from him. Was it the North Koreans? Probably not. But it was probably something that had someone that had hacked his account that was trying to get me to click on something because it just came out of left field and said, hey, and I haven't talked on social media or messenger with this cat in seven years. So definitely suspect. Anyway, it says the hackers, uh, because of the use of social media and the friend network, have lowered the guard of the target and earned their friendship by sending chat messages and greetings and ordinary topics of interest or gossip. And then it says the attackers then send an infected document file to the target through email. Okay, here's the twist. By soliciting advice on a column related to North Korean affairs they claim to have recently written, the attached document file contains a macro virus that renders the target's computer hackable if the, if the email recipient approves the file. Okay, so like boil the other stuff away. Here's something we should take away from this. If you've got application uh, whitelisting or whatever you want to call it, segmentation and that type of thing on an application, the macros shouldn't be a problem. If your macros are enabled, that's a problem. Like the simple fix for this is doing the basic cybersecurity hygiene that we all know about. This shouldn't be a problem. However, because so many people don't do this and they think that it's difficult, this is where the hacks come in and whatever else. On top of that, if someone just pings you randomly on social media that you haven't talked to in a while and says, hey, here's an article about North Korea I wrote, would you like to read it? Unless you have a really valid reason to check that shit out, you probably should consider it a potential hack and just not even bother. Just delete it. You're not going to get anything from the social media account on fixing the issue. So just don't answer it. But this is one of those things where, yes, it's being employed. It's actually you know, working. Uh, it talks about how they're doing this through Android smartphones. Um, it shouldn't because if you've got good controls in place, this really wouldn't be an issue. Anyway, interesting article, interesting to note the kind of tactics that are going on with North Korea because of the kinetic stuff and cyber stuff. And these two things typically go together. Um, You know, it says that they also typically target Android smartphones for smishing. Um, Okay, So, yeah, pay attention to that if you're using an Android smartphone. 
Now, I've been a big proponent of talking about deep fakes. I've talked with the media. I've briefed Congress on deep fake stuff, which they kind of looked at me like a dog watching television. Um, but there is an article in futurism.com on September 12th from Tony Tron uh, that talks about new deep fake tool turns live streamers into someone else in real time. You can even use it over video conferencing platforms like Zoom or Skype. I've got the stuff off of GitHub. I'm playing with this right now, trying to get into it. I'm too cheap to buy the really expensive graphic card that it needs, but I might have to do that anyway, just because I think this is an interesting application of deep fakes. Um, yeah, so the, the, the application on GitHub is called Deep Face Live. It's an open source AI software that can transform your face into someone else's on video conferencing streaming platforms, according to the Daily Dot. I'm looking at this right now, like I'm literally looking at the GitHub thing right now and it, yeah. Um, it was created by a developer known online as da, 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 a Russian YouTuber. Vladislav Pedro said the streamers have already started using the tool on sites like Twitch. Now there's a, there's an example, there's a TikToker impersonating the Terminator, there's the Tom Cruise thing, uh, et cetera. But here's the real issue is imagine if you're able to take over someone's social media account, like, I don't know, uh, what was the president's social media account a while ago? His password was like MAGA 2020 exclamation point. So let's imagine, you know, in a, in a conceptual world that I took over Trump's uh, social media account. Now let's imagine that I start streaming something and let's imagine that I deep fake it and change what he's saying in real time. How many people would that affect? Like, this is one of the issues. This is what I'm, and it's not talking about Trump necessarily. I'm just saying in, in reality, like, do it with Biden, do it with another, do it with, uh, pick your celebrity, pick your person that has a big following and change what they're saying in real time with really good looking deep fakes. People are going to buy it. People are going to react. And then you start saying stuff that's not true. All of a sudden things go from bad to crazy to violent and people die. Like if this stuff had happened when any other sort of conflict was going on, it would have been absolutely catastrophic. Can you, I mean, just Take a second and imagine that this is this is huge. And the fact that this is open source, like right now, as God is my witness, I have it up on GitHub. I'm going to play with this thing later. Like it, it tells you exactly how to fit, configure it. It tells you how to compile it. It, it. it runs through the whole scenario. Anyone anywhere with 30 minutes could figure out how to do this stuff. And then you have a real problem because if you also go back and look at like the Twitter study that just happened on the lack of 2FA, which was like 3% of users on Twitter had 2FA enabled, it's not hard to go after someone's account, get on, and then start streaming stuff and changing what they're saying. All you need from this application is video samples. And then I have that person's video and I change what they're saying. I stream it in real time and I put my mouth, which looks very real, on what they're saying and I can do this. Or I can flip it and go backwards. But <clears throat> this this is concerning. I think personally that this is going to show up more and more often over the course of the next uh, X number of months as we get closer to the election um, time, because that's what I would do if I was a bad guy. You know, chaos is the goal. I think the Russians have been noted as saying. Concerning, extremely, extremely concerning. Um, I won't put the actual link to the GitHub thing out here because I think that this is like, you know, potentially a pretty substantial weaponized application, but you can go look it up.
Now, there was another article that came out in Wired.com, uh, Lily Hay Newman, uh, on the 12th of September. What is zero trust? It depends on what you want to hear. The cybersecurity world's favorite catchphrase isn't any one product or system, but a holistic approach to minimizing damage. Super. Like, that's actually a really good tagline. I apologize. I got to suck down some coffee because I've been up since like 3.44 a.m. Anyway. Um, she goes through the history of zero trust. She talks about it now being sort of a uh, going all in thing. People are very big on ZT, et cetera. But the the person that wrote this did a pretty good job of actually understanding what we're talking about here. Um, she says, at its core, zero trust relates to a shift in how organizations conceive of the networks and IT infrastructure. Under the old model, the perimeter-based model, all the computers, servers, and other devices physically in office building or logically, we're on the same network and trusted each other. Your work computer can connect to the printer on the floor or find a team, da 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 da. Tools like firewalls and antivirus set up to view anything outside your organization is bad. Everything inside the network didn't merit much scrutiny. So, this is great. Like, this is a reporter at Wired that took the time to actually understand what we're doing. And the fact that zero trust has been translated as much as it has, and we're not talking about it just like a bunch of security wieners anymore, and everybody can understand this thing in general terms, like, this is really, really good. Um, she goes through how long it took them to get to this. She talks about the stuff that happened at Google and Operation Aurora. There's some good quotes from Heather Adkins, Google's Senior Director of Information Security. Um, you know, just solid stuff. They're basically talking about moving to the cafe-style network. Um, there's a quote in here from Ken Weston. Zero trust is a concept, not an action. Which for a moment, I was like, well, wait a minute. That's slightly conflicting, but it's really not if you actually get into it. Like, yes, that's what we want is the concept. However... I think there is an action that is required out of that concept and the action is to act, but good stuff from, from these folks. It's a great article. If you're interested in this, you know, uh, go check this one out. Vendors hear new buzzwords and they try to package a product. They already have into that now with 10% more zero trust said Ken Weston, um, which is fair. I, I published that in my study too. Like marketing is marketing is marketing. I don't have a problem with buzzwords. I think buzzwords are useful. I think buzzwords get people's attention. I think buzzwords are buzzy and buzz is good. Um, if it wasn't buzzing, that means there's no reason to really care about it. But to their uh, to their credit, they're saying we shouldn't just focus on the buzz, which absolutely agree. Um, I think you need action. I think we need outcomes. I think it needs to be built around the strategy. But it's great to see a reporter in Wired, which is significant, talking about ZT and talking about it in terms that anyone anywhere can understand. So clap, 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 um, tip of the hat, all that good stuff. And of course, there's my dog getting ready to bark because he uh, sleeps all day long, except for when I'm on the damn uh, phone. There's an article in the register.com. Uh, Thousands of internet connected databases contain higher critical CVEs, says report by Cloud Security Biz. Put your data on someone else's computer to keep it safe, urges Imperva by Gareth Corfield, September 14th. Um, after spending five years poring over port scan results, Imperva reckons there's about 12,000 vulnerability containing databases accessible through the internet. That number seems actually pretty dang low to me. Um, I did a Shodan search this morning and I can find more than that, but okay. Maybe that's not globally. Maybe that's just locally. Anyway. Uh, the study also found that 46% of the 27,000 databases scanned, just over half of that number contained high or critical vulnerabilities as defined by their CVE score. Yeah, sounds about right. 50% uh, of 27,000, that's that's a significant number. Um, 
you know, talks about too often organizations overlook databases security because they're relying on native security offerings or outdated processes. Although we continue to see a major shift to cloud databases, the concerning reality is that more organizations rely on on-prem databases to store their most sensitive data. I would like to see some data on that, some stats on that move, because I, I don't know that I necessarily understand exactly what they're saying there. I think most organizations in some way, shape or form are moving towards cloud. I haven't seen a bunch of people schlepping the uh, uh, hardware. Um, usually they're moving towards, you know, uh, cloud-based databases and those types of things. So I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. And one thing that I would say here too, is that this is a bit of a twist on the actual problem. Like there are solutions out there from a variety of vendors, um, some of which I'm intimately familiar with that solve this problem. And it's one of those things of, I accept that my database will be compromised because that's just how stuff works. And it's probably going to have bad things happen. So let me just remove the data that you don't need to see, that a user doesn't need to see. Like if I can put everybody else out of the mix and just say this user on this device, on this network, on this application gets to this data and within that data stream only sees the data they need for the purposes of work and everything else is removed, then okay, I can live with that. Like that's that's a controllable problem. But to the to the you know opposite of this is where we say, We've secured the user, we've secured the device, we've secured the application, da, 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 da. You get to the data and all of a sudden it's, you know, Pandora's box. You can see anything everywhere. And for anyone that's ever, you know, gone onto a SQL database or those types of things, that's that's the end game. Um, but there are ways to fix that problem. So can I fix, you know, thousands upon thousands of compromised databases, especially when new applications and new ways come up all the time that continually introduce vulnerabilities? No. Can I put something in place where a user on a device, on a network, on an application, and the data that they shouldn't see is removed from them? Yes. And then I don't have to worry about vulnerability for the database itself. So interesting article, but there are ways around that, uh, you know, to be to be fixed. Uh, so here's another deep fake one. This was on Slate.com. Um, I thought this was particularly interesting because this is one of the first instances of scammers actually using deepfake videos and it talks about now um, by Yana Pasheva. Okay, I think I'm close there. September 13th. And that's the title of the article. Scammers are using deepfake videos now. Now, it goes into what deepfakes are. I won't go to that because we all kind of know. Da, 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 but it also talks about um, the ways that this is being used. And this is showing up primarily first overseas in India. Um, and this is a little bit uh, graphic, so just bear with me, right? On Wednesday, and this is from her article, the Times of India reported about a new type of cybercrime in India, sex extortion involving deep fake porn videos, not of the victim, but of the fraudster, at least at first. Usually a scammer using a profile photo of a naked woman, um, which is usually a fake one, sends a friend request to the target person on social media. Okay. Then the scammer exchanges text messages with the victim to build some trust. Okay. Grooming. And finally, they make a video call. So they're FaceTiming with each other. The fraudster uses computer-generated video of a woman, and so we're deep-faking the woman here, to entice the victim to masturbate, uh-huh, which scammers record and use it afterwards to blackmail the person. Ooh. At least two men in the western Indian city of uh, Minabad reported such extortion calls to the police. Um, one of them complained the fraudsters demanded three grand. The men themselves reportedly didn't realize the woman on video was a deepfake. It was revealed after the police investigation. Um, one of the men said they did not indulge in any obscenity. Um, and then he says, well, why are we being blackmailed? 
um, yeah, so you probably got caught, bro. Like, you know, just, it, it is what it is. Um, so this is really, this is a twist on the sextortion scheme that we've seen in the past where somebody uh, says they found your, you know, name on a, on a forum or something. And then they say, if you don't pay us, we're going to uh, um, tell your wife and kids that you're looking at dirty porn. Like this is literally them recording a video of you and then deep faking it to use it for other purposes, you know, and, and extorting you that way. Super concerning. Um, you know, I would say one easy fix for this is don't be a pervert and don't be, a, you know, someone that's looking at things like that and then interacting with people in social media chat and whatever else. However, you can't fix humans. So, but scammers using deep fakes to extort people in real time. This is real. It is what it is. Um, in the U.S., it also notes deep fakes have started showing up on dating apps, according to the Daily Beast. A woman from California was scammed out of about $300,000, god damn, after being led on by manipulated clips. The elaborated scheme involved two scammers, one uh, fraudsters on two different accounts. The first criminal she met online dating site pretended to be a U.S. Navy vice admiral uh, and superintendent of the Naval Academy. So they used his uh, online images and online videos to create a deep fake. The woman talked to him on Skype regularly. The second scammer, uh, posed an American who, after months of communication, told this woman that he'd been imprisoned overseas. Um, and these two deep fakers basically asked this woman to transfer money. Uh, wow, this was a pretty involved. Um, yeah. Later, law enforcement discovered that every time the victim spoke to the deep fake admiral, the deep fake uh, guy that she was dating on Skype, she was actually watching manipulated clips of pre existing publicly available video of the real admiral. So, like, this is it. It's real. This is not just people yelling and screaming about it. Imagine where this goes. Imagine how bad this gets if you do this with the right approach in the right space. Um, could be very concerning. Now, I'm going to get into my last one here, and I want to I be quick about this because I want to make sure I stay in my 30-minute. There's an article in Federal News Network. Funding OMB Zero Trust Mandate may be the hardest part of the new strategy by Jason Miller, September 13th. Um, it's part of a, a podcast. It's actually pretty good to listen to. Um, but it goes into the OMB when they released their draft zero trust strategy. Um, the chief information at the FERC was present, uh, was presenting his fiscal 2023 technology budget submission to the agency's chairman of the leadership. And they said there's no more money. Um, and that's that's the twist, right, is that the OMB is that they're saying do zero trust, but they're saying there's no more money. Well, here's the reality of what you're talking about. If you're doing zero trust correctly, you shouldn't need more money. There's no reason for more money. Like this is not about more money. This is not about buying more stuff. This is not about more, more, more. This is not about buying things for the sake of buying things. And I think that that's kind of what sticks the stone in my craw is that shouldn't even be an issue. Every organization that I've worked with that's engaging in zero trust and does it correctly, they get rid of stuff. I have, I have seriously sat in a workshop with a cruise line that had 51 security solutions in their portfolio. There are not 51 problems to solve in cybersecurity. They had at least two or three things, triple dipping and double dipping on a whole bunch of different stuff, and they got rid of it. Like by the time we finished that workshop, which took a while, they freed up a few million dollars. So this is not about more money. This And this is a problem. Like that shouldn't even be a conversation. That shouldn't even be something that comes up. If anything, it should be oh, thank God, we have a mandate to do zero trust. Now I have a strategy that I can align to and I can start getting rid of some of this bullshit that I don't need that is double and triple dipping. 
Any organization that says they need more money to do zero trust should immediately be investigated because they're doing something wrong. Doesn't mean criminal negligence, but it means somebody should go in there and look and go, wait a minute, I don't think you understand what I'm talking about. I don't think you really know what we're getting to. You're not thinking about this in the right way. Let me show you how we do this and what we mean by doing zero trust the right way. You know, if you read through this article, it's really good. I mean, it, it does talk about uh, understanding. It does talk about the growth. It, it, you know, better understand the importance of cyber protections, protecting not just agency data and networks, but their users too. And it goes through, you know, is there more money, less money? Da 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 da. It does go into how to drive the conversation um, all, as part of the process of zero trust. All CIOs should consider investments in automated tools. Hell yes. For hardware and software asset management, absolutely. Deploying these capabilities creates greater visibility across the enterprise, allowing agencies to account for all their IT resources. And here's the best part. This is foundational to successfully implementing zero trust architectures. So somebody there gets it, right? Somebody understands this. They see that this is the starting point. They see that they have to have a baseline, et cetera. But the beginning of this article talks about we need more money. You don't need more money for zero trust. If you do, you're doing it wrong period, point blank, end of story. Now I'll get off my soapbox and back away from this, but you know, this is where we're at. This is good stuff. There's some crazy things going on in the space. Social media is becoming more prolific as an attack vector. Deep fakes are being used right now for weird stuff and for bad things. Um, and I think we're going to see more of it. So be ready. Again, as always, cyberspace is the most interesting space there is in technology, I think. No matter what, make sure you stay safe and you stay secure. Disclaimer, the information in this podcast episode, aka episode, is provided for general information purposes only. By listening to this episode, you understand that this is not specific technical guidance from the host. No information contained in this episode should be construed as security advice from the author, host, or guest, nor is it intended to be a substitute for security advice on any particular subject matter. No listener of this episode should act or refrain from acting on the basis of any information included in or accessible through this episode without seeking the appropriate technical or other professional advice on the particular facts and circumstances that are discussed. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All views expressed therein are those of the host and his guest and should not be considered as being endorsed by nor related to the host or the guest's employers.